Today is November 10th. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Oki Naganago Mekoche Chase Tokom Aki. My name is Red Thunder Woman. My married English name is Michelle Robinson, and I use she and her pronouns. Native Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the Nitsitapi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the opposed US Canadian border are the Blackfeet. North of the border are the Siksika, Gunai, and Bagani of the Confederacy. These lands are Treaty 7, signed September 22, 1877, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Wesley Chiniki Bearspaw Nations of the Stony, and the Dene from Sutina Nation. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit status, and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. I honor the Blackfoot as the elders and members have been so kind to me on my Red Road journey. Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name. I was born in Calgary or in Blackfoot, Mokinstis is Michelle Elliott, an English name which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act imposed status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Nice Dene. My father is a Canadian and I'm a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution through him while having an Indian Act imposed status card. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Hare people, also called the Great Bear Lake people in Treaty 11. So I'm a native to Turtle Island and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area. And in my language, we call it Klinchotine Indehe in Satu Dene, meaning many horse town, which was named after the Calgary Stampede. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer place for Indigenous, as well as honoring the host as the guest and acknowledging your role as a treaty partner. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous people, but I share what I know as I walk down my Red Road journey. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian, where you can pledge and support. Thank you to my previous donors for already showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com, where you can send in your comments or your questions. Um, also, giving a review helps whatever medium that you're listening from. I have a YouTube channel where you can go and subscribe and you can go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. Today's a pretty special day because I happen to have a, a dear friend, a family friend uh, joining me today. Richard, would you like to introduce yourself in your way? Well, thank you, Michelle. Uh, my name is Richard Hare. Um, I'm here today primarily because uh, I have recently retired as a school trustee from the Calgary Board of Education. Now, if I can make something clear, hopefully that is the last time I will use the term Calgary Board of Education. I much prefer to use the term Calgary Public School District. I think the public schools have given a great service to our country and it will continue to do so and particularly as we move to give greater, greater entitlements and opportunities to our indigenous communities and the indigenous students who, who I was so proud to serve as a, as a trustee, um, hopefully that, that will continue to be the case. So at any rate, uh, I'm, uh, I'm into middle age, I'm seven years old. I uh, was born in Medicine Hat, have spent all my life 
in southern Alberta. I've taught in Tabor, Lethbridge, Strathmore, and Hazar. And so uh, those communities have enabled me to, to enjoy a very wonderful life. I've been lucky to be born in Alberta, lucky to have been given the opportunities that, that have been given to me. Uh, I have, and my family has, attempted to give back in various political ventures, and, uh, and, and we've been fortunate to be given some opportunities. So um, I, I think that's, that's, that's really uh, enough for now. I was a, a teacher or in education for 41 years. Uh, classroom, I was involved in ATA politics, executive assistant, uh, but all of them involved with education and 30 of them in particular with Calgary Public. So I could go on and on, Michelle, but, uh, but let's start uh, talking a little bit about some of the issues that, that, that I think we would like to talk about. Yeah, I think, because um, we, we had quite a few episodes on Langevin. And with those conversations, we had our committee that was trying to change the name. And then we had um, an afterwards when the name finally did change. And I just, as somebody who was at that table going through that process at that time, I was just wondering how you would feel about starting from the beginning and, and going all the way through the process and what that was like for you. Well, quite, quite simply, it was, it was long, arduous, complicated. And, and Michelle, I probably made a few mistakes along the way. Okay. Um, I think I raised the issue probably at the second meeting I attended. Okay, let's face it, the issue had been around for a while. It just didn't start with my election. You know that. Uh, uh, the issue concerning uh, Hector Lewis Langevin has been discussed for some time. And, and certainly since, um, I believe, 2012, it was, has been focused on in, in various, various manners. So, so it was certainly around. And, and I can recall mentioning it in a relatively congenial way and saying, hey, you know, what are we going to do about Langevin? You know, it, it's clearly time that, that that be changed, and I don't think uh, I, I, I don't think anybody is really arguing strongly that it be retained. And and I have to be honest, uh, I, I received no rejection at that point in time. Uh, people around the table said, "Well, you know, we have to go through a process, and there might be a few issues, and we might want to learn a little bit, and we might want to hear a little bit, and and all those other kinds of things." and you know, it, it's early in my mandate and trying to get along with everybody and saying, sure, let's uh, hear about this. So, so actually, there, there was some of that. We had uh, an elder come in and uh, uh, um, a First Nations uh, a woman come who had attended a and, and talked to us about the challenges and the strains and the, and the difficulties and the indignities that were, that were forced upon them. And so we, we, we started the conversation, we started moving, and, and it seemed to me we just sort of stalled. So after a year, you know what I mean? I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, but after a year, you know what I mean? You've only got three years left now. And, and, and so I said, well, why don't I go talk to the school? So I did go to the school council, the Langevin School Council. I think it would have been in October of, of the second year of my mandate. And it was a fairly large audience. And, and I said, gang, uh, I think we should change the name of the school. And obviously, with a little bit of support from, from you, and I expect this, uh, we'll be able to move forward. Um, in all honesty, there was a lot of silence. 
um, not not too much came out. It, and these weren't bad people, though. Don't get me wrong here, okay? But the issue was either one that they didn't want to address. I know one uh, one lady did said yes. I think it's about time. But not really an overwhelming. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's get on it. it it's simple. And 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 by this point in time, Michelle, city council had changed Langevin Bridge to Reconciliation Bridge, which is of course five blocks from the school. You know, so so in my opinion, at that point in time, the heavy lifting had been done. Okay, and we would simply do the right thing. And and then of course I started to hear things like, well. We have, uh, we have a naming policy, but we don't have a renaming policy. And basically, I, I sort of wrinkled my brow and said, uh, you know, what, what difference does that make? You know what I mean? Uh, I, let, let, let's just do it. But, you know, there's a little bit of talk. And remember, there's still three years in my mandate. So let's just keep talking about it and raising it from time to time and sort of moving it forward. I, I know I talked about putting a motion forward a couple of times and was cautioned against that and pointed out the, the way we had to go through and so on. So another year passes. And of course the public clamor is, is rising, okay? Yeah. Is, is it overwhelming? No, but, but it's out there. And of course the talk about, about the schools and, 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 and the, the trauma of the treaties and that kind of stuff becomes more apparent. Very clearly, Canada is reaching a point where it has to deal with the indigenous situation. The one which by and large was created by our governments, okay? And so it was time for us to move forward and, and, and all Canadians. And of course, in various places, various things were happening, okay? So, okay, we hit the third year and. And at this time, very forcefully, I develop an ally in Julie Herdlicka. And, and Julie starts to come forward and, and Julie sits on the uh, Indigenous Council and, and becomes, along with me, fairly assertive and aggressive and saying, guys, we got to move on this. There's, uh, you know what I mean? The, the policy bit is a bit of a Trojan horse. You know what I mean? It, it's an encumbrance that is unnecessary. Let's just go do it. And then after that, if you want to set up a long-term policy to impact other schools that may be addressed, um, William Aberhart, Nellie McClung, Sir John A. McDonald, you know what I mean? That, that's fine. But clearly, right now, we have to move. And so there was a little bit of movement. And, and, and Julie and I spent a little bit of the summer trying to put together some sort of policy and so on. And we, we worked through a few channels, and, and it came forward in in basically the February of, 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 of moving forward, and it sort of stalls. It just doesn't go on. We start to hear things like, well, we're too busy. We've got other things to do. There are other priorities. Uh, really, not often, but occasionally I heard a colleague say, well, I've heard some people who say they don't want to change the name. My response to that was, I've heard a few too, but very, very few. The vast majority of everybody who I talk to says we have to go forward. Well, once again, stall, delay, whatever you want to call it. Um, Julia and I have put forward a proposal. Um, it's put down. Um, we're said that uh, 
it needs some work and we're too busy and, and, and all that other kind of stuff. So at this time, my dander's up a little bit and I start to make some noises and so, and, and, and in fairness, a few weeks later, I'm told that, yeah, we're gonna get back on it, okay? We'll, we'll get back on it. Now, you know, we're, we're starting into, you know, February of this year, you know, time has marched on, you know, nice guy, hail fellow, well met, you know, all that kind of stuff is moving on. At any rate, um, then that sort of stalls again. And I decide, well, I've got to get it out. I've got to get it out in the public. So at that point in time, I tried to put it on the agenda to discuss. And I couldn't put on a motion because we're not allowed to do it that way. But I was hoping to put on the discussion and from the discussion would lead to the motion. And my motion would have been very simple, Michelle, change the name of Langevin School. And if I would have been really courageous, I'd have said, change it to Reconciliation School. Okay, that's what, that's, that, that's what I wanted. So I tried to put it on the agenda and I, I told my colleagues that I was going to do this. And um, an emergency meeting was held prior to the board meeting at which for about an hour and a half, I was encouraged to withdraw my question, okay? Um, by this point in time, another committee had been put in place and they said they needed time to do this and so on. And, and I said, I don't care. Langevin is the issue. Langevin is the issue. We have people concerned. We are becoming a national outrage concern laughing stock. Okay, let's just do it. Do this and we'll deal with the other things after. Well, I asked that it be put on the agenda. As I think everybody's aware, the vote was four to two. I appealed the ruling of the chair. Once again, the chair was upheld four to two. Okay, that's the way it was. At that time, I did put forward a motion through what we call our agenda planning committee. Now, of course, according to that, you have to put down a rationale. I could read you my rationale. I put together a 2000 word document explaining all the things that happened, the Hector Lewis Langevin situation, the fact that uh, Ottawa had changed the Langevin building, the name there, the fact that uh, one of the Ottawa streets had been changed from Langevin to something else, the, the fact that uh, in Manitoba at one time that had also been changed. Really, almost the last relic of anything named after Langevin was the Langevin School here in Calgary. And I said, gang, if we don't change it, something's going to happen and we're going to be even more embarrassed than we are right now. Well, I'm told we've got this, eventually we've got this committee, um, three people on it instantly, three people on this new committee were three of them who had been opposed to us discussing the issue. So, so take that for what it's worth, okay? And so the, the committee in fairness, I guess, did start working, but I, I kept on saying, gang, move along. Let's do, let's do it. it, it can't be that complex. You know what I mean? It's uh, renaming other places have renamed things. Other places just went ahead and did it. They, yep. they, they said, you know, policy is not essential. You know what I mean? We just have to do the right thing. Okay. And policy is never meant to be a straitjacket. Policy is simply meant to encourage good governance. 
But when it's clear what the issue is, it's clear what the resolution is, you should go for it. And of course, you know, Michelle Kamloops, Indian school, you know, you know what I mean? It, 215 graves, 215 graves. When that hit the press, you know what happened across this country. It's not that anybody could have been shot. No. Because I read where supposedly 6,000 children would have died in, in these schools in, in one way or another, okay? And, and, and so was it a shock? No, but clearly that hit the, that hit the fan. And all of a sudden we had a quick meeting. All of a sudden we had a motion. And all of a sudden, it didn't matter that you had policy. It didn't matter that you could cover everything. It mattered only that we had to get out of this as quick as we could. And so the motion came forward. And the motion, incidentally, was to change the name of Langevin School and to, and to change it to Riverside. Riverside had been the name before. Yep. And it was sort of an interesting thing. I always wanted to call it reconciliation. I've told you about it earlier. I did want it again. And so I, I made a motion or I asked that the motion be split. And that's something we do relatively often. You know what I mean? It's, it's a standard procedure. And for the most part, it was very interesting. My, my request to have it split um, had an interesting discussion. And at least one trustee said, no, he didn't want to split, okay? So you take that for what it's worth. Um, eventually though, I had four on side, it was clear. And so the chair came on side and so, so it was split. And so the motion came into two parts. One that we changed the name of Langevin School. I asked my colleagues to give me the honor of moving that motion and they were kind enough to do so. And I will be grateful to them for that. Okay, minor things, but but you know, in politics, it matters. The, 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 these things are specific. The second, well, and one, it was your ward. To be fair, it was that too. You it know, was, and, and that's that's the whole thing. Like here, you are the ward of the of you're the trustee for that ward, saying yes. this and yeah. not getting support from the others. They were not two players but, with but, you on this. <laughs> at, at any rate, at this point in time, I'm very pleased with even small. Uh, conciliatory gestures. And I think sure. that's, that's important. We, and one of the things is you always try to work together, or at least I always try to work together, okay? I, I find it, it's much better in the long run. So the next thing was to change the name to Riverside. The point was made by one of the trustees that they didn't want to change the name, they wanted it to revert. And I said, Gee, revert, change, what's the difference? You know what I mean? And, and it doesn't matter, Riverside, I think as a sign to the First Nations students and people we serve, why don't we call it reconciliation? But I never made that as an amendment, okay? I didn't, I didn't. I was just so happy we were changing the name that you know uh, the second part wasn't overly onerous at that point in time. So, so at any rate, that's what happens. And of course, the point's always made, well, you can change it in the future, okay? And maybe that will happen. We have a new board now, um, Michelle. We have a process in place. It's, it, it's not rocket science. It can happen. There's, there are concerns. With, but at any rate, even, even, even now, if, shall we say, a majority of board people said, hey, we want this done, it can still be done. 
You know what I mean? That 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 it that is still, you know, part and parcel of the democratic process. So at any rate, Michelle, there we are. Langevin's name has been changed. Uh, it is Riverside School, and I think symbolically, for for the First Nations people, this is a tremendous progress. Okay, it's unfortunate that it took so long. It's unfortunate that it was so difficult, but at least it has happened. And I am sincerely hopeful that the new new board, as they face other issues like that, will will realize that these kinds of things are are very, very important. And, and we certainly in the public school system have an obligation to all our publics. And we are made up of immigrants from all backgrounds, all nationalities. And of course, our First Nations people were really the first Canadians. We owe them such a debt. We owe them such a debt of gratitude that we, we, we have to show them the consideration that they continually deserve. And unfortunately, in my life in this country, I don't think we've done that all the time, anywhere near as much as we should. You know, I have, I have looked at my, my First Nations mm -hmm. colleagues and, and the people I've met. And, and actually at my graduation speech on my third year, I, I told the story, which of course comes from the, the First Nations culture. And, and if, if I can, Michelle, I'll just say it very quickly. I'm sure you've heard it. It's the story of the grandfather. And, that sort of fits my role very well right now, uh, who's, who's talking to, to one of his grandsons. And, uh, and the, the grandfather says to the grandson, he says, you know, there is a battle going on in your mind, in your heart, in the hearts and minds of every single human being. And that battle is between a good wolf and a bad wolf. And the bad wolf represents hatred, greed, animosity, egotism, selfishness, all the bad things. And the good wolf represents generosity, kindness, helpfulness, a willingness to work, a willingness to help your, your neighbors, representing all the good things in life. And the young boy looks at his grandpa and says, Grandfather, that's all well and good. But which wolf wins? And the grandfather looks at him and says, The wolf who wins is the one you feed. And that's what we in the public school system have to do. We have to build the goodness in the hearts of all of our students. And we can learn much from our First Nations friends. And, and so I, I, I just, just greatly appreciate this. I, I think when we're talking education, um, you, you know, I, I, I think that, uh, and then help me with this because I don't wanna say something untoward, but I've heard in, 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 in relation to our First Nations students, the First Nations students whom we serve, that for them, of course, education is the new buffalo okay and i don't know how you react to that statement because you know what i mean we can say in alberta now education is the new oil or something to that effect the world's moved on and we have to through education prepare people to to do the best they can 
to make the best Canada that we can. And so that's the role of the public school system. We're not a private school, we're not a charter school, we're not a religious school. We're open to all. And clearly our First Nation students are welcome there. And, and we, we have to do better. Our, our graduation rates, as you're well aware, with particularly First Nation students, is not anywhere near what it should be. That, that we have to focus on that. We have to work. And I think in, in fairness, the board has been moving towards that. Uh, I, I think our new chief superintendent, Chris Yusey, is totally committed to it. And, and I think we're making progress. But as I'm sure you're aware, Michelle, it takes a village to educate a child. And so we're, we're sort of moving. I, I've, I've talked for too long. I, I, I'm sorry, Michelle. Uh, Don't be. I'm, I'm grateful you brought up education is the new Buffalo because here we are on Blackfoot territory. And it was um, Elder uh, Casey Eagle speaker that coined that term. And, um, you know, I was lucky enough to give him tobacco and one of the uh, organizations that I was working for chaos has an uh, initiative to encourage youth to go to post-secondary. And uh, we are using that terminology, crediting Eagle, um, Casey Eagle speaker with that because that is his terminology. And I think it's important that we always recognize education is, is the new Buffalo is something that he had said. And I think it's relevant because, um, you know, the Buffalo were murdered and taken through the colonization of this area while we were forced to at gunpoint uh, to be on reserves. So that bigger picture. Um, and, and again, when you when you say welcoming, I mean, you are talking to a mother that had to pull her daughter from the CBE because of the racism, sexism and homophobia that I was experiencing. So, um, you know, and she experienced. So this, it is not a welcoming or safe place for Indigenous children at this moment. And um, it, it's, uh, I'm hoping will change. Um, I wanted to ask you a bit about the anti-racism committee, because um, that was something that happened under your tenor and, and what you think um, that as a foundation to move forward will help the new um, board. You know, um, and as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, I spent 30 years in the system and, and, and I, I understand that there are challenges and that sometimes students, teachers, principals do not handle things in a way that they should and representing what the public school is supposed to embody. And that's unfortunate. It's more than unfortunate. I apologize for saying it's unfortunate, but it's a tragedy because of course each kid is so important. We only have one kick at this cat. You know what I mean? And I, I'm not trying to trivialize it, but, but we want to have the best life possible. And, and, and when we feel dehumanized, when we feel less than respected and accepted, how can we, how can we be happy? Okay, and, and that's the thing, and it doesn't matter if you're in kindergarten or grade 12, okay? It's the same hurt. Sometimes we develop a little resiliency. You know, we develop a tough outer skin, but, but we, we know when we are neglected, not wanted, and, and that, that's a concern. And, and that's, that's one of the things that I think, and, and, and I unfortunately was not on the committee, but 
I read the I read the reports and and you know people of course told many stories, uh, some of them far from encouraging, and yet of course we are the public school system. You know what I mean? We our doors are open to everybody, so to some extent that opportunity for for evil going back to the good wolf bad wolf can can happen. Okay. Uh, when you're in very select separate settings, have picked their students and picked their clientele and, and made sure that the great unwashed aren't there. You know what I mean? It's a little easier to say, oh, we're wonderful. And, and we, we understand. And oh, we would never do that. Of course, when you face the situation, sometimes differences occur, but that is absolutely no reason to accept it. And that's one of the things here. We, I, I think, you know, I, I think the time has come. The time is here. The time is right now. And we can't say this is going to take decades to do. We got to say, you know what I mean? When, when the Americans decided mm. they were going to go to the moon, John Kennedy says, you got 10 years. I want to be there in 10 years. Don't, don't tell me it's a long ways. And, and don't tell me we don't have enough, whatever it is there. We're going to be there. And if we're not, heads will roll. <laughs> okay. And sure, that's not what he said, but 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 that kind of thing was, was indicated. And it's the same thing here. Yeah. We have to say very strongly, this is not acceptable. Yeah. And if it happens, you're going to pay a price. Okay. And, and that, that may sound mean spirited, but we have to understand this is so important. But there this is, is accountability. so important. Yeah, we need yeah. accountability. And there can't be the cover up. And there can't be the poo-pooing and, uh, you know, I was having a bad day. You know what I mean? All those kinds. Certain things cannot be acceptable in a public school system. Yeah. And I think that was one of the issues. And I'm hearing that from our superintendent. And I believe him to be a very fine fellow. And, and so I'm hoping that's the case. Yeah. On the other hand, I think mm. for the most part, public schools probably do a better job in dealing with racism than outside society does. I really believe that. I, I think why that, would you think that? I just think an example. I, I think that the vast majority of teachers, and I say that the vast majority of teachers are very clear in their understanding and acceptance of their obligation to the, the students they serve. And every student is important. Every student is valuable. And they understand when, when somebody says something inappropriate, they understand when somebody is treated poorly. And I think for the most part, they get involved. Sometimes, and I've told you that, Michelle, and I, I regret your story tremendously. I, I, I know not the best things happen, but I think for the most part, the students and the teachers try the best thing and they know, they know what is not acceptable. And clearly in a classroom, sometimes in the, in the in the corners of the playground, some things may happen. Okay, which is always unfortunate, but it has to stop. It can't be accepted when it is brought to light. There has to be repercussions. Okay, and how how do these things happen? So so where does racism come from? Where does it originate? How, how does it grow? Of course, you have to start taking a look at the family, the society, all those kind of things there. But we can't keep saying that's in the distance. That's, you know, that's a long-term goal, because it's not. We have to say, 
Tomorrow things are better. Tomorrow things will be better. I will never make a racist comment again. I will never do this. You know, and it takes oh, that kind of break. I wish that was the case. The other day, I, the other day, I guess a few months ago, I was at a friend's and I had accidentally said the N-word instead of saying the N-word. So I know what you mean about how we will make mistakes, but I guess from my point of view, it's that bigger picture that I want. Um, you know, I'd, I do want to see accountable policy for bullying, but also racism, um, because they're, they actually are in, com in combination, but I've never seen bullying be properly enforced in any school setting. And like, I've never heard of it, of any North American place ever. It's always, the, the victim has to be uh, put through an equally traumatizing system. We usually with the bully and usually the bully gets off and the victim gets penalized. So I, like, I, I'm just curious from your point of view between bullying and racism, like what are good examples of how the public school systems are, are the model that um, you know, others could follow? Very tough question, okay? And, and I'm not gonna deny that. These, well, let me go back to the anti-racism committee that you raised, okay? Mm -hmm. and clearly one of the things that I've read coming from those things is a basic feeling to what you and I have just said, yeah. that there have to be consequences. It is no longer good enough to say, don't do that again, okay? We, 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 we cannot tolerate that. And that not only goes for, for students, but it goes for teachers too, okay? And, and, and of course, you know what I mean? I, I, I was administrator for a period of time and two kids would come into the class. And of course, uh, it was his fault. It was your fault. We started it. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's not totally easy to get to the, the truth of the situation. On the other hand, sometimes it is. And we have to make sure when we have these very clear, very clear, very clear evidence that who was the guilty party and probably everybody's got some degree of guilt, but some have more than others. And I think we have to understand that that, that, that is just not acceptable. And, and, and what you have to do is develop a culture, okay? A culture, because when the culture is clear, when the culture is clear as to what's accepted, you have a much better chance of getting things going the way you want them to. We do not live in a perfect society, okay? And we're not going to, I don't have a lot of time left, I think, Michelle, but it's not going to happen. You, you, you might be much more fortunate in that regard. But, but we are human beings. We, 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 we do get frightened. And fear causes all kinds of things, okay? And fear of the unknown is one of the, one of the great problems that we face. But we live in a heterogeneous society, okay? And, and, and that's, it's even going to get more so. You see, and that's wonderful. That is the strength of Canada. You know, Canada is not a perfect country, but it's pretty good compared to some, okay? But we got a long ways to go. And particularly, we have a long ways to go with the indigenous peoples. And, and, and so that's, that's one of the reasons that I'm here because I believe that time has come. And, and we have to do it on a multifaceted scale, on, on a multifaceted front, okay? We, we talk about a, uh, a two-front war, we need a 20-front war. We have to be everywhere trying to make things better because we're all in this together. And, and I, 
I, I can't see it any, you know, tomorrow is going to be, uh, we're doing this on November the 10th, tomorrow is Remembrance Day, okay? Yeah. I, I saw something for uh, First Nations, uh, uh, people who had been in the war, a celebration for them uh, the other day. And, and, and so we, we, we've got these kind of things. And you know, the First Nations people have always stood up for Canada in the global struggles. And we've been very fortunate that they've been willing to do their part more than their part. Let, let's just be honest there. So, so we, we, we understand that there, there, there are challenges and we have to face them. We have to face, we can't just hope that they're gonna solve themselves. That, that's just not the way it is. You have to address it. You have to address it through education. You have to do, address it through uh, an actual statement that we will not accept anything less. And that's, uh, that's easier said than done. And I understand that, but, uh, but I firmly believe it. Uh, you know, one of the things, and we talk about, I, I mentioned my, my book, uh, my, name is, my name is Shield Woman, okay? Uh, you know, and, and you know the uh, Ruth, you know the lady there, but it, it talks about the, um, the, the, the reservation, uh, uh, sick of there. Um, I was principal in the czar and I recall going to Clooney um, for a curling bond spiel. I think it was 1975, 76. And a striking thing that I will remember is um, we went to the pub after. Uh, after one of the games. And on one side of the Clooney bar were all the Caucasians. On the other side were all the First Nations people. And this is 1975, 1976. Now, occasionally, person would banter back and forth and, you know, there was no real, but it was a very clear cleavage. We have to go beyond that. It's not just symbolic. You know what I mean? It wouldn't, I, I hope it wouldn't happen any other place, but it, it, it's a, it's, it, it was a tragedy and we have to go, go beyond that. So um, one of the things, uh, my name is Shield Woman and, and I've been doing a fair amount of reading. Uh, there, there's a lot of, lot of pretty good stuff. I can mention uh, Seven Fallen Feathers. Have you heard that book? Uh, yeah, uh, I've done a book club on it. <laughs> five, little, five Little Indians. Yep. Okay, and, and, and uh, heck, I recall a long time ago, I, I read a book called 1492, which was when Columbus, of course, came to North America, and, and the book basically impacted uh, the impact of the coming of the Europeans and on the, not only South America, but North America, and it's sort of interesting, there was a difference, okay, and, and, and for various reasons, but, but if you walk into any bookstore now, if you walk into chapters, and you go to these there, there, there is a large number of books about this situation. So it, it's time has come. And I hope in a, in a small way, my, my appearing on your program may help encourage some people to, we, we gotta do this together. This is not just a First Nations problem. This is a Canadian problem, okay? And we are all Canadians and we have to work together on this. And, and it's, we have to do it sooner rather than later. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I know for me, there's, there'd be a lot of things that I'd like to kind of discuss further with you about these things, but I think you gave a really good overview of your perspective and, and how that whole Langevin name change happened. So I really appreciate you coming 
on my show to talk about that. And uh, maybe if you're interested, you could come back in the future and we can discuss uh, some other things that you might want to uh, go deeper in. And I just say thank you for coming on. And I hope that one day we can hear how this anti-racism committee helps uh, set the structure up for the next uh, you know, board and, and hopefully some other generations, because I, I know, you know, while I could talk to you for an hour about Indigenous issues, I know that uh, the well, other... We're talking to the converted, we're, we're preaching to the choir. <laughs> right? There, there's so many other um, demographics from the disabled community, from the QT BEMPOC community that um, are not safe in the public schools and we, we need to address that. So my hope is that this committee will at least lay that foundation. So maybe you could come back another time and we could talk about that or hey. some other things. And I really I, appreciate you coming on. I, I'm a retired old guy. Uh, so I don't, I don't have a lot, a lot of things. To, and of course this COVID is, uh, is a stress for all of us. And I think we understand that, but no, this has been a pleasure. I hope I've said a few things that made a little bit of sense. I hope I haven't offended anybody, but, uh, but I really believe this is a cause whose time has come yeah. and we all have to get together on it. And, and, and so uh, all the best, Michelle, and I look forward to hearing from you again. Oh, or seeing wait. you uh, for a coffee someplace. And now that you live in Lethbridge, uh, I lived two years in Lethbridge, loved it. And, um, um, Judy still has a sister there, and so we get down there a little bit, and maybe we can get together for a coffee. You know, there's the chapters uh, downtown, uh, right in the middle there, and I've spent some good times there. So, oh, that's you. wonderful. Yeah, I'd love that. You know what? Just because tomorrow is um, November 11th, you're not going to believe this, but one of the World War One uniforms was just found in the basement of a theater station here. So they just, really? yeah, one of the Stratfords, actually, I think like one of the children of the original mayor, but he was an alderman. I think okay. that's what it was, but he died in Vimy Ridge. So they don't really understand why they have his uniform, but right on the name tag, it said Stratford. So um, yeah, it's just, we'll have to go to the Galt Museum and have a look at it together, I hope. Sounds great. Sounds great. <laughs> take okay, thanks so much, Richard. Take care. Okay, I'm proud that this podcast has given solutions and given cultural safety training, cultural first aid, and almost all of them to create a safer space for Indigenous people of colour, those with disabilities, and LGBTQ2 plus to speak. I want to say thank you to the authors Cheryl Ward, Alicia Branch, or sorry, Alicia Fridkin, and Chelsea Branch of HereToHelp.bc.ca for creating What is Indigenous Cultural Safety and Why I Should Care About It. Their work are the cultural action tools that I have said over a hundred times in my podcast. So please support Indigenous work as part of your reconciliation work and settler understandings. I'm just lucky enough to highlight and repeat them here. Internalized racism or lateral violence is another form of violence Indigenous and marginalized folks experience by the structure of racism on these lands, such as the Indian Act, residential schools, land clearing policies, but that bigger picture of oppression, I think uh, very clearly not everybody quite understands. Um, RacialEquityTools.org, uh, What is Internalized Racism by Donna Bevins. It actually has a huge a resource file of information about internalized oppression. So if you, um, you know, are quick to attack another Indigenous person, or another racialized person or a person with disability. Like this is an example of that uh, internalized op oppression. Do's and don'ts for bystander intervention by American Friends 
service committee. Um, they have lots of information about what to do. So if you were to see a Muslim uh, woman being, um, you know, harassed on the sea train station, that would be a good place to start about what to do. Uh, because if you stand around and do nothing, you are complicit in the harassment that she's experiencing. Uh, and to actracism.ca, you can text at 587-507-3838 and they will bring you to their website that gives you some ideas about how to handle racism in Alberta. Indigenous have been talking about our issues, sharing our traumas and reports, commissions and public hearings just so it can be regularly disregarded, no more. Honor our words, honor the treaties, listen to the politicians and their policies and platforms. If they don't recognize the marginalized in their budget with gender equity plus, if they're cutting violence prevention services and, and programs, Indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay-straight alliances, lack of human rights for immigrants, migrants, folks with disabilities, know that your vote to that person or party is going to directly negatively impact marginalized people. Demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's calls to action, the recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, the multiple reports about child welfare reform, violence prevention programs, and now 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls, and Two-Spirit. Denying those reports is a form of abuse called a gaslighting. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the justice, educational, and health institutions with multiple reports that say the same things. Demand change from election platforms and politicians. If they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, sexism, they literally have zero business running. This should be understood by all parties, local politicians, community organizations, sports clubs. A really great article I said out loud in episode 62 is Truth Before Truth, How Non-Indigenous Canadians Become Allies. Frankly, if you were to just Google it, you would find tons of resources. If you're experiencing emotional distress after hearing anything we've talked about today and want to talk, you can call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It is toll free, open 24 hours a day. You can also uh, use the text option on hopeforwellness.ca. If more related to missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit, you can call 844-413-6649. It is also 24 hours, um, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, crisis line. For non-Indigenous, they are usually functioning 211 systems in your area, but you can also try the 866, or sorry, 833-456-4566. Um, or your local distress center. Uh, 60 Scoop Indigenous Society of Alberta, their website is ssisa.ca and you can look for hashtag survivor driven for that information. So I wanna say um, the Trevor Project has a ton of resources on their website. They've done fantastic work in that area. So, and they have lots of different peer support as well as uh, for Trans Lifeline and uh, youth for LGBTQ2+, so you can call them at 1-866-46, or so, sorry, let's start over, 1-866-844-3030, uh, I can't believe I'm butchering this number, 866-844-7386. They also have a youth line that you can call at 1-800-268-9688, Eighty-eight, sorry, and you can also text them as well. Um, 
the kids help phone. That's a resource that's so old. Even I used it when I was a youth. 1-800-668-6868. But if you go to lifevoice.ca, you can find these LGBTQ2 crisis supports, especially how I butchered those numbers. Anyway, violence is my everyday reality. Every Indigenous generation has faced it. That's why I started this podcast, to speak freely without interruption, without tone police, without leadership shaming, without gaslighting questions. As many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinion, they don't want to listen. <laughs> they don't want to hear about colonialism and the constant surveillance of our people, our protests, our vigil, and our rights. Just typical microaggressions. People dealing with internalized racism become gatekeepers, survive off the status quo, and then others who are in their trauma and are unable to work and deplete personal resources, internal and external racism and oppression is an everyday reality for Indigenous people. I started this podcast um, as a place to heal for myself, but also to have a boundary to be heard because quite frankly, you can sometimes can't get a word in edgewise. Um, thank you to my ancestors, my granny, my mom of what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be blunt and strong. My stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian family roots, teaching me to be a Calgarian. And just through her, I'm a second generation Calgarian. But again, I named my podcast Native Calgarian because when I hear non-Indigenous call themselves Native intercolonial name here, I remind them how racist that sounds. And I'll ask them if they identify as a Native Calgarian to me, what nation are you from? And then they'll go, oh, that's not what I mean. I'll, I'll say, yes, I know. I know, but it's that moment that they need to address their racism. Uh, thank you to my husband, Darcy, for producing and editing the show on top of being my husband, my childhood friend, my father of our child. He has supported me down my journey of the Red Road. He has witnessed decades of racism and sexism that I alone have put up with. Uh, if I also want to say thank you to our child. We are blessed to learn from you daily. You give me accountability to be a better and stronger person every day. I hope that my daughter and my entire family, my aunties and uncles that give me accountability uh, will be proud of what I discussed today uh, down the road. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian where you can pledge and support. Thank you to my previous donors for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those that cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or your questions. I also have a YouTube channel. You can go and subscribe. Go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcast, but also if you're interested in land acknowledgement training or picking my brain, that's the place to go. I want to end by giving side eye to those Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not tradish. And my beautiful cousin would respond, or you would be in my dish. Thank you so much for listening, folks.